Hello and welcome to the Beer Jet Podcast. I'm Luke. And I'm Matt. And on the Beer Jet Podcast we chat about all things beer. Uh, but first of all, for all you loyal fans out there that listen every week, all, um, you're in your tens, there's, there's, there's plenty of you listening, so thanks for tuning in. There's dozens of you. Dozens! <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Multiple dozens. And uh, last week you may have noticed that we skipped the weekly uh, chat with myself and Matt that we release every single Thursday because I screwed up. Uh, we did a remote chat. Uh, Matt was from home, as you all know. He's a, a stay-at-home dad these days while he's on paternity leave, living the good life, brewing beer, looking after a baby. Yeah, so I had my whole setup down. I got, got my remote microphone, uh, got all, all set up, had to dump both babies on my wife uh, 45 minutes while, while we did a record. We, then... we recorded the entire podcast. And then afterwards, when I went to edit it, I realised that I, I hadn't plugged in my microphone properly. So it completely screwed the sound, could not be saved. It was... Do you, uh, think, do you think we could release just my half of the podcast? Well, you did say some really good stuff last week. Yeah, uh, always do. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember and rehash some of that stuff. So sorry if you missed that. Um, I'll try and be a better podcaster. I'm still just learning about this. Uh, and also, thank you for all of you people that shop at beerjack.co.nz or people that come to our warehouse bar and shop, the Fridge and Flagon in Auckland. We, well, we are sponsored by Beerjack, so we can only do this and uh, share beer news and entertainment with you thanks to Beerjack uh, selling beer to you wonderful people. So if you're looking to buy some beer, you know where to find it. Right, what are we drinking, Matt? So uh, this week we're drinking our uh, Beer Jet Beer of the Week, which is uh, Yama from uh, Hop Nation Brewing over in Melbourne, Australia. And it is a Yuzu Mountain Lager. And this is my first time having a sip, and it is delicious. This is a really nice lager. Yeah, it's got a huge kind of floral Yuzu aroma on the nose. So Yuzu being kind of halfway between, what you'd, you'd call it, halfway between a lime and a grapefruit. Yeah, that's generally what people say. It's quite um, it's it's a very uh, got a very thick skin. It's got lots of oils in the skin of the yuzu, right? Yeah, and it's a, so it's a beautiful Japanese citrus fruit, um, and it's yeah a bit more uh, aromatic than a lime, mm. um, but it's still got a, a bit more of that sharpness, uh, more sharp than a grapefruit, and it ties in beautifully with um, just a nice clean base there. Super floral, super fruity, super bright. Real nice like grapefruity bitterness to it as well. Just gives yeah. it a bit of bit of bite, and there's a little bit of um, sweetness on the front of the palate as well, which kind of balances out that um, that slight edge of tartness and that floral note. It's that's really good. So there's a, I've only ever had one other yuzu lager before, which would be uh, yum yum. Yeah, the the yuzu lager in New Zealand. Yeah, so from Duncan's Brewing uh, down on the Kapiti Coast. Um, I find this one um, uh, yum yum is a bit more pithy than this. You, you kind of uh, get more of that kind of zesty character. Whereas this is a bit more uh, floral. I find Yum Yum to be really easygoing. It's just a lovely beer to grab a sixer of in the sunshine. And it, yeah, it's got a bit of the character of the yuzu, but it's, it's just a lovely, smooth lager. And, and this is something that, that's quite different. Yeah, so softer, sweeter, more floral, as opposed to a kind of a crisper um, and, and more pithy one from Duncan's. Um, but Hop Nation are a fantastic brewery um, over in Melbourne. Um, they just won the... Uh, a couple of awards at the Australian International Beer Awards, which I think we mentioned at the time, but um, they took home a Champion Medium Brewery mm-hmm. uh, and Champion Victorian Brewery, as well as a, a couple of individual beer awards for their Red Ale, uh, the Buzz, 
um, and I believe one of their other seasonal releases, uh, which was a Pilsner, I think, but I can't remember quite off the top of my head. Yeah, Hop Nation are really, they've really got some cutting edge innovation and they're just doing a whole bunch of interesting things, uh, like seltzers. Yeah, so we've got their Ray's seltzers, there's a few of those in stock at the moment. Um, but I mean, if you need any more of a, a claim to tell you how good of a brewery they are, it's where Garage Project brew their beers uh, over in Australia. So. Um, that's a, a bit of a seal of approval from uh, one of our uh, local big guys. Yeah, and, and it's quite rare that we'll include a lager as our beer of the week in the BJX subscription box. Uh, I feel like, uh, until fairly recently, lagers have been sort of maligned or overlooked and lots of craft beer drinkers just, they're all about the hops, right, or the adjuncts. And recently there's a bit of a swing back to a lot of geeks, a lot of brewers are proclaiming their love for good lagers. and. All you home brewers out there know that it's bloody hard to brew a good lager. Yeah, well, <clears throat> often they're so um, light and delicate and stripped back on the malt base that there's really nowhere to hide any faults that um, might come up. And with the kind of malt that you're using, um, uh, you can get um, some more faults that come from the lagering techniques as well. So, um, yeah, it's a t- tricky style to brew. I think uh, we often see that the meme floating around. It's the old um, evolution of man, Darwin meme, with, with the cavemen instead sort of starting off with basic lagers, then going on to IPAs, then going on to sours, then going on to beer, big barrel aged outs, and then uh, finally ending up back at lagers again. It's the truth. Is yeah. it? Oh, I, I, I feel like I chat to a lot of it top is. brewers and beer judges, and they're really into lagers. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really good style to showcase brewing technique. I mean, uh, for the most part, they're not my favourite style to drink still. I mean, I can recognise the craftsmanship, but um, in a way, uh, I became a fan of craft beer through my distaste for lager. Like, even growing up, going to university and uh, starting out drinking, so lager was what you drank because lager was the option. And I never liked it, but I wanted to have a drink, and I couldn't drink straight whiskey all night and I thought cider and wine were worse. So I, so I started off drinking, um, uh, yeah, drinking your standard macro lager as everyone does. <clears throat> and then I really kind of got into craft beer as it separates from lager. And yeah, so while I can appreciate the craftsmanship, it's not a fa- flavor pro- profile I usually particularly enjoy. Whereas on something like this uh, from Hop Nation, um, it's uh, using a bright base as a, as a platform uh, to allow that user character to sing, which is why I like this beer so much, I think, rather than your kind of classic noble hot German Pilsner or um, uh, or Helles Lager or um, th- those kind of traditional styles where I can enjoy them and I can recognise the craftsmanship, but for, to me it's not why I'm into beer. It's interesting seeing the cold IPAs at the moment and uh, people that are using lagering to get great expressions of hops and... I think you might agree with me, but the, the best lager I've tasted in recent times was probably McLeod's Dank Harvest. Yeah, Dank Harvest was fantastic. Um, and Dank and, Harvest, in case you missed it, was a beer that McLeod's brewed uh, during fresh hop season last year. And it's a, there's a blurb on the side of the can saying that they they don't get involved in fresh hop season. Even though they did this year. but Yeah, <laughs> because they're so far north and it's hard to get the fresh hops in time. So they just pulled a real flex using pelletized American hops and just made this incredible India Pale Lager that's just, it's so light-bodied, so hot-forward, just a gorgeous expression of hops. Yeah, and I guess it is disingenuous of me to say that I don't like lager. 
um, because there are many examples of lager styles that I do enjoy. Uh, Vienna lager being a particular favourite of mine, mm. um, but also looking at um, stuff like uh, IPLs and uh, dark lagers, because lagering is actually a much broader technique than um, than you, than your um, uh, your standard macro lager would lead you to believe. Yeah, the Schwarzbier, especially the one from Zeelands, one that I often talk about that I really enjoy. Yeah, and I've had this conversation a few times where I think, um, I've, particularly when I've given someone a dark lager, where people, a lot of people don't understand uh, what uh, lagering is and what what being a lager means. So just to take it back a step on that, um, lager is uh, about how you ferment the beer. Uh, there's two broad types of yeast which are used to ferment beer. Top and bottom. Exactly. And so while ales, um, which uh, encompass basically everything that isn't lager and all your standard IPAs and pale ales and whatever. They're tops. They're tops. And those are fermented at about room temperature, about uh, 18 to 21 degrees uh, by and large. And then they're um, fermented at that, they're cooled down, and then they're they're served. Whereas lagers... Bottoms. ...are uh, fermented a lot colder. So those are usually fermented in the low 10 degree range, kind of 11 to 14, more or less. But because of that lower temperature, the yeast uh, takes a lot longer to get through it. So it's a long, slow uh, fermentation, and those provide those kind of crisper, cleaner characters. Um, it's also then uh, conditioned for a lot longer, uh, lager being uh, derived from the German not to store. So those, mm. uh, so there often be that are stored for a long time at cold temperatures to really develop those crisp characteristics. But you can use those techniques to ferment any style. So um, whether it's a Baltic porter or a... Uh, a dunkel or a a rauch beer a rauch beer or um a, a clean uh, pilsner based uh, like this one mm. um and the um satan 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 was a lager it our was. Bock that we released a while ago which which sold out in about two weeks yeah. and people are there's a almost a secondary market i see people on facebook <laughs> asking where they can find satan 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 yeah uh, which it's cool it is cool and but essentially um yeah don't write off lager like I did at the top of this segment um, uh, by um, just thinking it is um, your mainstream macro stuff. There are some, if, you, if you're into your beers, um, come back to lager because if you don't like uh, macro lager like me, there are options out there for you. Yeah, yeah. Baltic Porter being a, a key one yeah. to give a go to. and But please don't drink a lager and say that it's thin-bodied. It's... Like, yeah, the idea of a lager is that it's it's light in body. Uh, and last week we well we did talk about last week's beer of the week, uh, but none of you heard it apart from Matt and I. So that special exclusive content uh, yeah. that was just in our own ears. Uh, so we'll give a quick shout out to Kereru and Stand Up Guy, which was a hazy IPA that we really enjoyed last week. It was made with a sriracha ace. Yeah, so it was a bit of an interesting hop character in that one, uh, using um, a couple of hops that we don't usually see around so much. Uh, Sriracha Ace and... Uh, I think it was... Yeah, and a New Zealand hop was in there as well. Green Bullet. Green Bullet, yep. Um, So, yeah, a bit bit of an unusual hop character. Slightly more bitter than uh, your standard uh, hazy, so kind of more in that mountain IPA, kind of halfway between an East Coast and a West Coast. And not that kind of thick juice that you're seeing from the Garage Project monthly releases and 802s and your uh, no, certainly and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was a really nice, interesting and different uh, 
beer that um, you won't hear us uh, talk a lot about, unfortunately. Um, but we rest assured we had some very interesting things to say. Was Sriracha was interesting to do some research on um, because that was a hop that was uh, created and bred by, was it Sapporo? Yeah, so it's still the hops that's, that is used in Sapporo. Uh, so if you've had that as Japanese lager, um, it's still the hop in there and it's got some really interesting, unique characters. It's kind of, um, as well as the kind of lemon, citrus, orange uh, kind of character that you get, you also get some herbal notes like dill and coriander, um, which make for a, a really kind of unique experience. And um, it's the one that I'm actually using in my table beer that I talked about a couple of weeks ago as well. Beautiful. Yeah. So uh, you'll get to hear from Chris, actually, the uh, the founder and brewer at Kadaru. So I interviewed him a couple of days ago. So that'll be coming into your ears on the podcast early next week as a special bonus interview episode. So that's pretty interesting to hear about his story from a... Uh, a motion effects expert and setting up a 50 litre brewery in his rumpus room and selling at the markets through to his pretty awesome setup which is just on the edge of Brewtown these days that uh, that me and Matt popped in to visit a few weeks ago yeah some really cool stuff uh, lined up to come out of the barrel program there um, I mean the existing barrel releases are already fantastic mm. they're right at the premium end of the market but they're well worth it stuff like night spirit paloma um to name but two and the, uh, probably the most famous two but they're uh, absolutely worth checking out some of those premium bottles because they're doing it about as well or better than anyone else in the country so um, worth splashing out now and then on those yeah, so tune into that one, and we have a bit of a chat about their approach to gluten-free beers and different adjuncts like truffles and cacao nibs and all sorts of the beers. Uh, so that was, that was really good. And I think we've got a few cans left of Stand Up Guy, so if you haven't tried it already, uh, you can hop online and grab some of those from us. Uh, but back to your table beer. Tell me more about how that's getting on. It's going on well. Um, so uh, last week when we had discussed it, um, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd brewed it on that day. Um, yeah. So now it's about finishing fermentation. Uh, going to end up around three and a half percent and um, I've uh, used sriracha ace in that for that interesting kind of lemon herbal character and uh, the other thing I've done is I've made a tincture from li of lime leaves from my garden so lime leaves have this beautiful um, interesting aromatic uh, note to them um, you'll often pick it up in curries and stuff like that where they're, where they're mm. often used um, and uh, basically what I've done is I've uh, taken a bunch of leaves off the lime trees in my garden and soaked them in vodka um, I've strained that liquid off put them on fresh lime leaves I've done that three times now so I've got this really kind of powerful citrusy floral um, but not quite lime like aroma um, that's coming out of that so that's going to get added to uh, the beer pretty soon And uh, so what sort of volume of tincture did you make for your 20 litre batch? so 200 ml mm. um, uh, using some uh, vodka I distilled at home um, and then I'm going to be, uh, I'm not going to be adding that all at once because I, uh, part of the joy of using a tincture is you can dose it according to how it works in the beer. So mm. I'm probably going to um, chuck about half of it in, see if that's enough, and then uh, maybe uh, drop in the other half. Um, but yeah, that's going to increase the ABV of the beer by about 0.3%. Uh, so taking it from a 3.2% beer to about 35 which is where I wanted it. So pretty happy yeah. with that. Oh, sounds like the perfect day drinking beer when you just... I, I just I'm imagining your life at the moment is just hanging out drinking pints of table beer playing with a baby well it will be table beer soon yeah yeah <laughs> once it's finished now it's just double IPAs and um, <laughs> I don't know the baby's fine right you can just leave them in the jolly jumper for eight hours and uh, yeah. while, while you sit there si sipping on 
bit <laughs> epic loop of Lingus and you'll be right. Bit of day drinking on the nine percenters. <laughs> Disclaimer, uh, this is not how I'm parenting my child. Matt's <laughs> <laughs> a very good dad, if anyone's uh, listening, including his wife. But that does not happen. Uh, and talking of fermentation, well, that's my recommendation for the week. So uh, there's a book called The Noma Guide to Fermentation. And you probably know more than I do about Noma restaurants. It's which the was, Danish one, right? I think it was in Denmark. I just know it was a, just a, an incredible Scandinavian restaurant with flavour at the forefront and all these stars. Yeah, I saw, um, I think it was Anthony Bourdain who did an, uh, an episode of um, one of his series um, about it. Yeah. And I was fascinated. It was my fa- favourite episode of the whole series. And just going through it, their... Um, kind of library of fermenting products in the basement that they had there um, they had uh, all sorts of locally foraged ingredients ingredients that they grow themselves that they're fermenting um, underneath the restaurant uh, to use as ingredients and just a really fascinating approach to local and uh, foraged ingredients and different ways to extract flavor from those different products well I've I've um learn more about Noma from reading this book but also I've been following closely the journey of empirical spirits so I've never actually tried any of their spirits but it's uh, one of the, the former head chef of Noma left to start a drinks company and he just realised that flavour is, is at the core of, of everything that he's interested in and that it's just a, it's a powerful way of registering memories and uh, it's it's just so connected to everything, but the the a perfect platform for flavor is spirits like the tincture that you created, and he just started this spirits company with a completely fresh, clean approach without any of the baggage attached. When you're making, for example, a gin, a gin needs to be uh, around forty percent proof. It needs to contain uh, predominantly juniper berries. It needs to be distilled at a certain temperature. And they sort of started from scratch with all of their different spirits. So yeah, I'd recommend reading about Empirical online and maybe we need to import some of their spirits at some point. Yeah, maybe. But it's an interesting approach to flavour in that I think it's something that craft beer has gone through and is still going through in that a lot of um, those products are so bracketed by tradition in that this is how you make whiskey. And the Scots get very upset if you call anything Scotch whiskey that isn't made in Scotland and brewed a certain way and all these uh, products have very clear definitions but um, for me it's the same in beer and the the joy of it for me is about playing with flavour and okay you might use potatoes as a base for your spirit and Mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to fit into the conventional of vodka you can distill uh, wash from molasses and that doesn't mean you have to make rum Mm -hmm. um and I, f- I find a lot of those labels and definitions um, can, can be really restricting for a lot of people in the way they look at a product. And uh, it's really exciting to see people like Noma and Empirical Spirits really putting flavor first in terms of like, okay, what is the character that we're trying to get to? What is the expression of flavor that I want to achieve? And how can I achieve that through distillation, fermentation, um, and, and using the right ingredients and not being bound by, right, this is how you make a gin, yeah. as you say. And they use, for a lot of their core spirits, they use uh, a Saison yeast to make the initial beer that they then distill. And they use um, uh, oh, the Japanese uh, method of making sake. Is that uh, koji? 
I know very little about sake. Yeah, so that they use koji as well as saison yeast, and it's yeah, just just cherry picking the best bits of fermentation distilling from everywhere and making delicious stuff. <laughs> um, so the Noma Guide to Fermentation is about. Uh, it's sort of a recipe book and interesting knowledge behind making your own vinegar, lacto-ferment, kombucha, koji, miso. And, and just with kombuchas, I, I remember when kombuchas became a bit of a thing and I spoke to some people about how to make kombucha and, and I suppose by virtue of just well, what the drink is, the people that were into making it were... Um, perhaps not especially scientific and had quite a, a hippie type approach. And, and I'd be speaking to these people about how kombucha's made and they'd be talking about bloody magic and how it's such a mystery and you have this scoby and it's a mysterious thing. And, and I've read about it in, in the space of two minutes reading the chapter in this book, um, I, I learned what a kombucha is. And it, it's a scoby, it's a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. And so you have this, this sort of matter, uh, organic matter, and the, the yeast turns the sugars in whatever the liquid is into booze, and then the bacteria uh, eats that and makes it sour. And you can make a kombucha out of anything, but just the, yeah, just how simple and straightforward this book makes it uh, was really refreshing after it. And, and I, I feel like that's probably how a lot of people that are getting into brewing beer might feel that beer is a super difficult thing you need to be an expert and, and making beer is pretty bloody easy well i think that this thing like <clears throat> it's very easy to end up with beer mm. uh, like beer is just what happens when you leave wet grain around um but it's um making good beer that um is difficult and it's the same i think with kombucha and with stuff like sourdough um which is sourdough is actually my recommendation for the week because <laughs> It's all about um, all all of those products and um, and pickling and stuff as well. Uh, there's this whole category of food production, which is fermentation, and yeah, you're right. A lot of it is tied up in mysticism, and so 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 much of it is it's just about yeast health and thinking about the yeast that is doing your fermentation. Whether you're making sourdough bread, whether you're making kombucha, whether you're making beer. The, the difference in a lot of the, um, uh, the the quality of the product that you're making is about think of that yeast as a living organism, which it is, and think about creating an environment in which that organism can thrive. Mm. So you give it the food that it wants, you give it the temperature that it wants, and you give it enough oxygen, and you give it <coughs> you you you're creating a microclimate for an organism to survive. It's a pet. It's a pet, think of it like a pet. Yeah, you gotta feed it, you gotta care for it, you gotta uh, clean it. And if you think about yeast in that way, um, you can create healthy yeast, which allows for strong fermentation, which allows for a good final product. Um, so it's a really important thing to, um, to consider when you're doing any of these things um, that, I mean, yeah, sourdough is an example. So if All right, so hold on. So, so my recommendation of the week was uh, the Noma Guide to Fermentation, a book that I read. Your guide is sourdough. Yeah. Y your recommendation is sourdough. Yeah, just do it. Just do sourdough. Yeah, okay. do sourdough because it's so easy. So what you do, take equal, equal weights of flour and water, mix them up and wait. And then add more equal parts of flour and water and wait some more. 
and that uh, combination of flour and water is going to capture wild yeast and then it's going to start to ferment and you're away and the technique and the competence comes down to all right how am i pro how do you provide that uh, best environment for that yeast to thrive um, put it um, in a warm box which i'm lucky enough to have as a as a home brewer i can put it i've got a fridge with a temperature control so i can put my sourdough culture in there because it's it prefers being warmer and it's cold out at the moment and you make sure you're using the right type of flour and you're feeding it and at the, on schedule so it, so it gets into a cycle but fundamentally with all of these things it's a really intimidating field because uh, in, whether it's fermentation or kombucha or sourdough or whatever it is because there's so much knowledge there but my yeah my top tip is think about that organism and yeah yeast wants to live so just give it the means to do so and uh, make bread and don't do it when you're about to have a power cut like I did because my bread turned into a brick and it was no good because I'm not that good at sourdough yet but I'm trying did you do anything with the brick of bread did you make it back into beer or something uh, no I um, I uh, blended it up I uh, toasted it and I made it into breadcrumbs that I made some katsu curry with oh all's well that ends well <laughs> it does <laughs> and what have you been drinking this week um, so despite Luke's uh, assertion that I spend all my time sip <laughs> sipping on double IPAs and neglecting my baby, I haven't actually had that much uh, this week. Um, I was in Wellington for the weekend, um, and so I had a lot of Parrot Dog Falcon, because my dad bought a 12-pack of that. Uh, Legend. Because I told him to, because it's great. Good on your um, dick. Then I got home and drank a bunch of Parrot Dog Birdseye, <laughs> because uh, I like cheap, good core-age beers uh, when I'm uh, on a budget. Um but um, another beer that I did drink was the uh, Garage Project's latest uh, Wild Workshop release, Wilderness of Mirrors, mm. which is a beautiful dry hop saison. And it's just, it's got this soft mouthfeel, but finishes dry. It's light, it's bright. It's got a little bit of funk and tartness to it, but not taking it into the uh, territory of sour. The hops just sing out over the top, and it's just a really nice, complex, interesting, funky, yet finishing clean beer that is a delight i wonder if this summer is going to be a big thing for saison or maybe it's just the 10 people that i speak to about beer are all crazy about saisons well there's uh i think partly it's that but partly a few people are doing it at the moment i mean north end has just released their three saison series yeah uh, urban Ort have a big imperial saison coming out in 250 more cans next I think week. this week or this next week. week we've got that triple saison that uh old dave huff has put together yeah on uh new zealand's uh, preeminent Saison fan. He loves it, yeah. So uh, yeah. Dave used to be at Sunshine. And before that at Hellas How, and um, he's yeah, a big fan of the style and really knows what he's doing with it. I, yeah. I tried that uh, the new Imperial one from uh, Urban Out of the Tank, and it's tasting really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I think it's part of the whole wheat beer pushback that we're, try we're, we're always on board with, um, which is that, um, yeah, wheat beer is more than just McLe uh, Max Great White and um, Saison is a great example hopefully we'll see a bit of a wheat beer resurgence in the various styles yeah uh, and yeah I have the new 802 oh lovely number 20 no number 35 yeah uh, which was made with Talus hops I really like Talus um, well, Talus is so hot right now yeah, Epic uh, put out Talisman, uh, which was uh, the first beer that I had with it. Uh, a while ago now, right? A while ago now, and that was one of my beers of the year. I was really impressed with it. And then I believe I had it in something else that I can't think of off the top of my head, and it um, came through as kind of 
really distinct in a kind of sriracha ace kind of uh, sabro kind of way mm. but I think less divisive than those it's got a kind of unique character but um, is, is less divisive and I, I really enjoyed it well the previous 34 versions of 802 ACI from McLeod's had been great so <laughs> got a bit of a track record there to be confident in buying that one yeah yeah uh, and also uh, had another bit with Talis last night from Bright Bright interesting I without see. you I know <laughs> We don't come round here anymore, so samples get drunk. (laughs) That was the only one, but Tom loved it as well. Uh, Bright, so um, as you know, if you're listening, that we import some beers from Australia. So we're the only people in New Zealand that import good, independent Australian beer from a whole bunch of brewers. Like combination. Yeah, exactly. And uh, soon we will be importing Bright, and they're doing some really, really interesting stuff. So... They sent us a box of interesting beers for us to try out because I actually hadn't tried any of my trips to Australia yet. And we've worked our way through a handful at the moment. So, yeah, they had a, a Talus Hazy IPA that was, yeah, gorgeous. Lovely. Uh, and do you know much about Bright? <coughs> I, I don't. I think it's um, it's in kind of uh, rural Victoria, kind of um, on the towards the border with New South Wales. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a really beautiful tourist town. Well, they're in, yeah, the town is called Bright, yeah. so it's inland and it's quite rural, but uh, yeah, hopefully when we're allowed to go to <laughs> Australia again, it keeps closing down, but it'll be awesome to visit, it looks like a really cool spot. On to news! Um, before we go on to news, I'm just going to crack into another beer, hang on. Go for it. Alright, well this is news. Yeah, so um, first thing in your news is... Small Gods have another beer releasing this week on Friday, which is... This needs to become a regular segment. What's happening at Small Gods? We're we're doing a lot. Okay, what's happening at Small Gods is The Fall. The Fall. Um, It is a fig Belgian double, and that is a follow-up to our uh, Satan, Satan, Satan in our Lucifer Satan trilogy, Um, the third of which is uh, currently in tank and going to be coming out in a few weeks. Cheers. And the trilogy is, well, it's all about Lucifer. So initially we had Satan, 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 which was pretty on the nose. And this, uh, this double, the story behind it, is about the fall from heaven. It was about when God booted out Lucifer and about a third of all the angels. And they were sent down, down for nine days and nine nights. They fell like thunder until they smashed into the underworld where they had to reside forever. Yeah, and so um, we <coughs> um, called it uh, The Fall um, based on that, and uh, it is a Belgian double that we brewed with figs. So we thought uh, figs was a great tie-in to um, another fall, which was um, Adam and Eve's fall from grace and one of the, the fruit of the tree, mm. um, well, of which there are many different interpretations. Often it's called an apple or a quince, um, and one of those is... Uh, one of those is a banana, which... Uh, there are lots of forbidden fruits. Uh, yeah, uh, which is um, another one. But fig uh, what came up a lot in that, and there's um, lots of allegory around the fig leaves and stuff like that, mm. which um, uh, in, in the garden and uh, humanity's fall as well. Um, and we used a lot of figs in this beer. It was, uh, was it 40 kilos? For, 40 kilos of dried figs in there. And we tested uh, toasting the figs as well. But we, So we just did a really small batch and tried them, but actually just came out with sort of like just bad burnt yeah there was kind of a whole burnt hair thing um when when we tried to do that so we uh, we ditched that and um we just uh got them straight in there 
and I'm getting some lovely fit character from there actually it's mm. um, we, we had a, a little bag of leftovers in the office um, <laughs> yeah we're just munching on yeah that we're munching on and it's got that kind of yeah s- soft fruitiness finishes a little drier than your standard double yeah um, uh, sort of uh, often it could be in part from that uh, extra sugars from the fig- figs allowing the yeast to uh, take it a little further but it aids the drinkability on it while it still has got that that biscuity dried fruit uh, malt base amplified by the figs it's got yeah a, a lovely kind of caramel toffee nose on it I'm really enjoying that it's uh, and it's kind of easy drinking well as a a double should be and a double is sort of I guess broadly it's the lighter version of a Belgian quad right broadly yeah but it's a it's, it's a tricky uh, little taxonomic area the um, the Bel- Belgian single double triple quad is seems from the outside like it would be a straight up here's the smallest one this is double that this is triple that this is quadruple that mm. um, but it's kind of a pair of pairs I think as we discussed on um, a previous the, episode the episode where we talked about our triple which we brewed with Whistling Sisters mm. um, yeah th- it's a much more dark malt focused um, kind of sweeter um, more dried fruit biscuity beer um, than your, your single and your triple which are kind of a, a, a lighter more uh, stripped back malt base but um, I'm really enjoying that um, we uh, brewed this again with our friend uh, Mike Cheer from Christchurch um, Malt Cult that'll be the name Malt Cult that you see on the label there um, and yeah as we said we've got a, a third beer in tank uh, mm. in that series this beer is launching on Friday uh, I think people are going to enjoy this I think so yeah it's lovely mm. um, it's going to be launching on Friday at the Fridge and Flagon um, or, and on the website so if you want to get your hands on some, uh, it's available now. The fall drops Friday. And more news from Small Gods. We've got another brew day lined up next week, right? Yeah, um, it's one we've been uh, talking about and waiting on for quite a while as we've uh, worked with uh, uh, our concept with Soren from 8Wired. So we've got a really exciting uh, beer that's going to be putting down uh, next week. And... It's going to be a split batch, so we're doing two different things with it, which is very exciting. But we're not going to tell you what they are yet. You're just going to have to wait and see. I'm so excited about that. It's Obviously, we, we've only worked with fantastic people and great collaborators. Um, and, yeah, Eight Wider, absolutely right up there alongside everybody else we've worked with. It's, yeah, Sorin does such fantastic beers, uh, just completely across the board. It's such a brilliant brewery and great people behind the beers as well the whole team at a wider yeah absolutely absolutely <coughs> lovely team and um yeah and just a bit of a spoiler it's a tra- modern take on a traditional european style <laughs> you couldn't help yourself <laughs> but but for us it's been we've taken our time with some of our beers so especially with the um uh the smoked lager that we made with zeland and then the uh, Bock that we made with Malt Colt. We lagered them for an extensive period of quite a few weeks, which is a luxury not afforded to a lot of breweries that need to get beer out of their tanks. Yeah. But the um, the beer we're going to be brewing with 8Wide is actually going to go into barrels for two or three years. Yeah, so um, we'll be doing some fun stuff with that. There's going to be other stuff added, I think. But yeah, uh, keep an eye out for our 8Wide release coming, the, the first half of which will probably be available in about six-ish weeks depending on how fermentation goes uh, and back over the ditch to uh, other mates in Australia at Moondog who we just absolutely love they're just such a bunch of crazy 
humans. Yeah, we had a great time uh, hosting them on the Moon Dog Tour of New Zealand a couple of years ago. We set up a bunch of collaborations with them. Oh, with a wide one was well, that? That was a fun brew day. Yeah, big as be- wine. Big as beautiful. That was fantastic. Um, so yeah, um, we'll see um, uh, some more stuff coming from them soon. But we've been doing a lot of seltzers recently, and it's been cool chatting to Dave at Moondog about just how phenomenally successful their seltzers have been. The the volume is almost matching their beer output, which is also huge since they launched Moondog World and their gigantic brewery. Yeah. And uh, they've got this whole new technology surrounding seltzers. Yeah, so um, it is post-mix. So if you've uh, been to a bar, you've seen them pull out that gun on the on the shower hose type thing to pour you your lemonade or your coke mm. and basically that is mixing uh, carbonated water with um, a, a, a bag of syrup um, and, and it's the same thing when you have the self-service in fast food joints exactly you just put the cup underneath and pours out yeah and so um, Moondog's new technology is that they're doing this with seltzers so they've got a really highly alcoholic syrup that is being blended with sparkling water um, in various flavors and in various flavors to uh, come out of a post-mix machine or come out of those um, drinks dispensers like you see in the fast food places. So um, I think there's going to be some uh, really interesting uh, uptake on that as people uh, look to expand their range without necessarily filling their uh, tap room with kegs or their fridges with cans. Well, like all the best ideas, it's so obvious in retrospect. Like, of course you can do that. It's, you know, it's, it's alcoholic fizzy water. It's just so genius. Yeah. And yeah, for us, we have a venue with 12 taps and we might be persuaded to put a seltzer on one of the taps, but there's not a chance in hell we're going to put four seltzers on, let alone six. Yeah, but so, if you can tuck a couple of bags of syrup under the bar and have a gun that's pouring them out, especially if you've already got a post-mix machine. Well, well they're providing the machines as well. Oh, fantastic. So, so they're providing the machines to venues, so you just need a bit of countertop space and you've got six different flavoured seltzers. Yeah. Uh, super simple. Yeah, so that's uh, really interesting and uh, interesting to see if uh, anyone picks that up over here. Uh, some, someone like, uh, I think Moondog are thinking and talking about licensing out that technology. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll uh, see what goes on there. What else is news? Uh, what else is news? Uh, Behemoth have opened up a new venue uh, in Titarangi uh, last night, in fact, where um, I popped in for a quick beer with Andrew and Hannah. Yeah. Um, well, you're a West Aucklander in the heart of the trusts. In the heart area. of the bloody trusts yes um so it's really exciting to see that um <clears throat> in west auckland there um, is now a good option to buy beer um so i'm not sure how many of you know there are a few licensing trusts that operate in new zealand uh those are the waitakere uh, portage and Invercargill licensing trusts mm. and they're essentially monopolies to sell alcohol both on and off license um, yeah, they're leftovers from sort of uh, religious prohibition era sort of controlling alcohol. Yeah, so I believe uh, uh, the origin of those is uh, back in the 70s. Mm. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of the local iwi were involved, particularly right. in West Auckland, because it was uh, such a uh, uh, Maori and uh, Pacifica-dominated uh, uh, population in, in that region at the ah. time. And so the iwi had quite a lot of uh, power in uh, setting up those organisations to uh, target drinking in, the, um, in those communities. Um, but they are kind of at this stage a a holdover from a time when the demographic makeups were different and the attitudes were different and essentially yeah they are as far as i'm concerned an illegal monopoly which uh they set up uh their own venues um with stuff like pokey machines and um 
really actually doing harm to those communities that they're set up to protect. Well, that's interesting because it's not as though Southland and West Auckland have no problem drinking. Yeah. There's, if anything, they, they exacerbate the problem drinking with their crappy venues. Yeah, and um, so it's a, it's a constant source of frustration for me that if I want to uh, go out for a drink in my neighbourhood, I can't uh, because the only venues that are there are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so it's nice to see that uh, Behemoth have managed to... Uh, they've got around that by being part of a... It's like a large, uh, like a high-end food court. There's about six different uh, restaurants operating in this area in Titerangi, yeah. and they are the bar for those restaurants. And so it's uh, it's a slightly different license type, which the trusts don't control. Okay. Um, but um, smart. Yeah. Uh, so that, so it's really cool to see that. And, and it's a cool spot. It is. Um, there's some really nice. We had some fantastic burgers, and there's a, a little uh, Vietnamese place and a dessert bar and pizzas and. Um, but yeah, uh, particularly in West Auckland, where there's a, a dearth of uh, good venues uh, because of um, the trusts who basically block any alcohol license applications from going ahead. Um, it's so nice Charlie's, to have something break through. So Charlie's Titerangi is there's no food. They're not doing charcuterie or anything. Um, they do have a bit of food. It was absolutely rammed because it was opening night. And yeah. I had two kids running around me at the time, so I didn't <laughs> I didn't get a good look at the menu. But they do have one. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I had a quick chat to Andrew and Hannah, and they're pretty happy to uh, have that open less than a year after opening the original Charlie's. And um, from judging by how last night was, it's going to do really well for them. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see where they go next, because the whole point of Charlie's is to have a chain of them around New Zealand. Yeah. So we'll have to see. All right, Matt, so on to new releases. Yeah, so um, there have been some uh, cool new releases in the last couple of weeks, so I'll tack on a few from last week, which you didn't get to hear. Um, so, Parrot Dog have just released a beer called Steve, which is the first... Um, cryopop. Cryopop beer uh, released in New Zealand. So that's a new uh, proprietary uh, hop, uh, hop processing technology uh, from them. Uh, and that's uh, actually been put out in our new heavy, Hazy Heavyweights box, where you can try that alongside the new uh, McLeod's 802 that Luke talked about at the top of the episode, um, and 8Wide's Nectron Express. So that Nectron Express is good. I reckon it's the best Hazy 8Wide have done. I reckon it is, and I reckon it might be one of the best uses of Nectron that I've seen as well. Mm. Um, really enjoyed that one. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a good trio. Yeah, so it it's a, a good little mixed case um, if you want to get some fantastic fresh hazies um, uh, and save a little bit of money on that. Urbanaut have released their Living Beer, which is um, a can-conditioned uh, hazy sour ale. Um, so can-conditioning means that um, it's been carbonated in the can with live yeast, so um, it's got um, a bit more... Uh, uh, yeast complexity going on and probably a bit more of a shelf life there as well I would think yeah and our mate Guy was behind that so Guy well, he does a lot of stuff at Urban Orb, but he's mainly the salesperson, I suppose and uh, he really enjoys natural wines and this is kind of his crossover of beer being inspired by wine which is lovely yeah and it fits nicely into uh, Bruce's experience as a packaging expert and mm. um, Urban Orb having released the only other can conditioned beers that I'm aware of in New Zealand which is when they did some uh, batches for Galbraiths. Um, yeah, they were good. Um, which uh, were conditioning can, which were fantastic. Um, other than that, uh, Garage Project have done their uh, re-release of their Yuzu beers. So that is Yuzu Kosho, which is their sour, and Yuzu Pernicious Weed. Um, so those are only available for a limited time. Um, so if you want to try those alongside the Hop Nation Yuzu Lager, you can have a little Yuzu festival at your house. They've also uh, put out uh, Wilderness of Mirrors, which is uh, the Saison I talked about at the top of the episode too. Lakeman have uh, two new beers, Jet Fuel, which is an IPA where the proceeds are going to uh, support, I believe, uh, local firefighting aircraft. 
Yes, uh, it's a partnership with uh, with farmers in the region and yeah, supporting uh, the helicopters I think in the yeah. region. Yeah, and uh, they've also put out um, a bit of a departure from them as the uh, new Hazy series. Uh, they released the first beer in that series, which is a really distinctive artwork. So it's a mm. beautiful shot um, of uh, Topol. For, I'm not sure where it's taken from, but it's a kind of uh, a full art photography can. Um, and that's going to be a new series um, of Hazy IPAs that they're putting out. Uh, Behemoth have uh, put out uh, Batchet Crazy and Bourbon Batchet Crazy, which are a couple of Imperial Stouts. Um, with blackberry, toasted coconut, and cacao nibs, and a bourbon version being uh, aged on bourbon barrel staves. So excited to try those. Uh, on top of that, we have Heart of Darkness have released Dream Alone uh, Pale Ale. So that's a hazy pale ale with a nice 440 can. And one of the ones I'm more excited about is uh, Zaylant's re-release of Kaiser Garcia in, I believe, their first can. It is. So this is the first 440 mil can out of Zeeland, who are a fantastic uh, traditional uh, European-style brewer out of the Hawke's Bay. And this is a Vienna lager. So as I mentioned again in my uh, chat about lagers at the top of the episode, um, a my favorite style of lager. So it's uh, a nice, clean, uh, crisp beer. But that, I mean, almost in the way of a Belgian double, has more of a malt character to it. It's kind of you got a, a biscuity, caramelly sweetness, kind of toastiness there. Um, that uh, is absolutely delicious, kind of refreshing and uh, malt forward at the same time. So uh, definitely check that out. And cool to see 440 cans from Zeeland uh, as one of use it as more traditional European-inspired breweries. Yeah, well, um, I think everyone's going that way, and I think a lot of those breweries who are sticking to bottles are seeing the pinch as people yeah. come to prefer cans, and it's something we definitely see as retailers, um, as retailers when people buy on our site. So cans is what sells, no matter how good the liquid inside is, and Zerland beer is. I mean, it's, I, and I think probably an underrepresented brewery because of their um, their, their format, mm. where um, je- their Jerry Rig, their Lager, Good Thief, their Pilsner. Pilsner's amazing. Um, uh, this the uh, the Vienna Lager, the Hefeweizen, they're doing fantastic beers. They're really executing mm. um, beautifully on those European styles. So, if you like our European style chat and uh, are keen to try uh, some really good classic examples of those, Salem is definitely a brewery to pick up. And upcoming events at the Fridge and Flagon. Uh, this Friday, as we spoke about, we're releasing the Fall, yep. which is the Small Cods Fig Double collaboration with Mock Cult. And we've got Mama's Donuts, so there's going to be a really awesome food uh, food truck as well. Uh, next, we've got Pub Sing, which I'm quite intrigued by. It's this uh, wonderful choir mistress that's going to be uh, leading people in song, and apparently you can be tone deaf. Yeah, so it's a, a fun uh, communal sing-along for people who uh, aren't... Or maybe you are in a choir or... Maybe yeah. you feel too intimidated to get into a choir, but want to have a nice, uh, fun sing-song. Everyone's invited. Yeah, it looks like a great vibe. And then we've got the Banana Party. Banana Party. It's coming up at the end of the month. That's on Friday 30th. That's another Small Gods beer that we've chatted about previously that we brewed with our friend Electroshock. And that's a banana milkshake Hefeweizen. And that that's going to be bloody insane. I'm, I'm kind of confused talking to Electra about what's going to happen, but... There are going to be girls dressed as bananas, performances, there's going to be dance, there's going to be a DJ. It's going to be a seriously fun time. So that's the banana party on the 30th. And on the following day, because uh, we don't really like having breaks, we're doing the Malthouse West Coast IPA Challenge Auckland version. 
So we partnered with the good guys at Malthouse who have been running the West Coast IPA Challenge for... Oh, um... Ever. Throw that to me, put me on the spot. I believe it's about 12, 13 years that it's been going on. 2008, I want to say, but I might be making that up. That was the, the birth of iconic beers yeah. uh, that, are, that have won that previously. So it's always a big event in the, in the ca- beer calendar. And, and a lot of those um, beers go on to be kind of staple core range releases. So um, you're thinking like your Epic Armageddon, yeah. your Liberty Knife Party. Uh, Gar- uh, Behemoth won it last year with Here's Chirley. It was mm. the launch of Garage Project Party and Bullshit, which uh, caused a bit of a stir because it was an uh, East Coast IPA. Yeah. Um, classic marketing from Garage Project. But yeah, it's a, an iconic event. Uh, with some uh, fantastic beers. So uh, if you want to try a, a selection of those beers in Auckland, uh, as they're released and fresh as possible, come check it out at the Fridge and Flag. Yes, we're running the Auckland version of that. And simultaneously uh, online, we're going to be doing the Malthouse West Coast IPA Mixed Case. So that's going to be available for pre-sale in the next few days. And that's going to be a 12-pack of uh, 12 of the beers that we've cherry-picked, but also the ones that are being packaged. Because a lot of the kegs that are brewed for West Coast IPA Challenge are really small batch that only go into kegs. So that is what's coming up at the Fridge and Flagon. Yeah, and if you want to find out more about what we've got going on, you can always find us on social media, at on Facebook at The Beer Jerk, on Instagram at BeerJerkNZ, and on our website at BeerJerk.co.nz. And uh, the best place to find us is on our Facebook members group, at NZ Beer Jerks, where uh, you can uh, share what you're drinking, have a chat with us, have a chat with our other members, and uh, find out all the coolest stuff that's going on in the industry. Well, thank you so much for listening. That's the end of another episode. If you've enjoyed it, you can uh, you can say thanks by shopping at Beer Jerk. And uh, we'll be releasing the episode with Chris early next week, and we'll be back for a chat next Thursday. Yeah, and one thing we never say is uh, make sure to share and subscribe to the podcast and oh, yeah. uh, leave us a review uh, because apparently that's the way that uh, pe- people can find us. So do that. So then we can get a, a few more dozen listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.